Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. We're momming today with Meryl Rosenthal, founder and CEO of FlexPaths, the remote work advisors. Meryl, thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me. So, you know, we're, we're going back to the office. It's actually happening. I mean, not five days a week for a lot of people, but part of the time. I mean, are, are, your, are the companies that you talk to, are they ready for the workers? You know, it's really funny that you asked that question because they are ready for the workers, but I don't know if the workers are ready for them. Oh, I know. <laughs> I know. That's the pro- that's what I, I So I go to the office every day, five days a week. But a lot of my friends go in once or twice a week and they absolutely hate it. They hate going in. I love it. It takes me out of the house. But what's going on <laughs> right now? Yeah, this is a number of uh, factors. I think that there are companies that have really done some really great work bringing people back in, creating the comforts, the uh, safety, uh, which we'll talk about in a little bit, uh, the amenities, uh, the vibe. Uh, For those companies who've done that, that is a great draw. Uh, However, there are realities that have kept people away from the office. And because during the pandemic, life changed and work was done differently. So can can give you a couple of thoughts on that, if that's uh, that would be great to uh, share with you. First, I want to ask you, though, when you say vibe, what what, what is the vibe? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So during uh, pre-pandemic, when people were more traditionally in an office, there was the sense of a vibe and that people were in seats, people were seated together. There was a sense of culture, purpose. Uh, there was, when people, when an executive would walk around and see people in the office, he felt or she felt somewhat confident that people were getting work done. And with the pandemic uh, and with people coming in less, that vibe or feeling of culture has concerned executives, not necessarily feeling that their offices um, are places where people want to go and certainly are maybe not as productive as they need to be. So I know our our physical setups are changing. I I remember, you know, an executive used to walk by and you would minimize (laughs) like the shopping site that you were on if an executive (laughs) walked past you. And now we we don't really, well, I don't, I don't think we want to be near people. So what's the point in going into an office if we're going to feel isolated in that office? A hundred percent. And, you know, you just hit the nail on the head. People who are doing that, that, that online shopping uh, made it bad for people. Uh, People thought, okay, now if we're going home, everyone's doing that online shopping. But, you know, what we found during the pandemic is companies' performance was quite excellent across the board. Uh, People didn't want to lose their jobs. They wanted to work hard. They were looking to get to work, be engaged and possibly create the business case for them to continue to work flexibly. So, you know, good people are good people. Good managers are good managers, irrespective of where they work. So for mothers specifically who kind of juggled everything the past couple of years, how are they orchestrating their return to to the office? You know, it's interesting. Uh, There are some that obviously want to go back, but 
there are women that for a long time wanted flexibility and now the pandemic created the business case for them and they don't have to feel like they have to ask. They know now that it's much more of a, an expectation uh, uh, that uh, companies are going to be more open to it. Uh, the other thing is, is that there are some women that really have a reduced appetite for what they might have experienced in the way of office politics or toxic work culture. Uh, not having to deal with that nonsense, quote unquote. Uh, and the during the pandemic, there was a democratization of how people uh, interacted. Uh, people were able to be themselves. Uh, leaders were more approachable uh, and authentic in how they communicated. And uh, there was a sense that, you know, you didn't have that power play in some cases. So it really depends on the woman and what her personal situation is, it, what, uh, both in the office and at home. So we're at an inflection point where women are about to get equality in the work in the workforce. You know, the ones that can leverage it, leverage it have a very strong chance. Um, I do believe, to your point, there are others that don't. Uh, there is the uh, the risk of proximity bias, where women who are not in, uh, careful could lose ground around if they're not in the office, not being able to be as, uh, uh, able to network. Uh, get, get those stretch assignments, promotions and career advancement. So this is an opportunity for women to advocate um, and, and use this as a leveraging opportunity to use the more open mindedness around hybrid work to be more present, even if they're not in the office. But how specifically can we harness that to our advantage? Uh, I think it's about having straight conversations, you know, with your direct leader, speaking very clearly about what it is that we as women want to do, not put ourselves in a box and ask for flexibility and give lots of excuses. You know, we've all heard that story where, you know, a, a man might come in and say, hey, I'm taking my son to a soccer game at 3 p.m. And the woman who might do that same, have that same need and go into a full explanation. Women can just simply say, I am wanting flexibility or and uh, not give all the excuses and just talk about how she's accessible so that people know that she is and can get her work done. So, so Meryl, if, if I'm hearing this correctly, if if a woman personally wants, um, actually, maybe you can give me this scenario based on what you're hearing from companies and what you're hearing from workers. But for instance, sure. if, if you personally want to be able to do school drop off, for instance, mm-hmm. you're saying don't actually use the word school drop off, just suggest the hours that you'd like to, to be available? A hundred percent. There's no reason to give the, re- the personal reason. Uh, the, the, what it, what employers want to know is you're getting the work done and less is more in this situation. Interesting. Um, but if don't you feel like the the I feel like a, comp, a boss could read right through that, though. Oh, duh. She only wants to come in on these days because, you know, they know me and they know what my personal life is and it, it works for me. Can't they- it is really about establishing trust and rapport with your with your boss, having them understand how you're getting the work done, uh, creating that cadence. Uh, because, again, if we're doing our work right, the pandemic really lifted a lot of um, anxiety that employers had about uh, getting work done in an office because of technology. People use technology to, you know, to get their work done, uh, you know, meeting, doing meetings off site, ideating, vetting job candidates, sharing documents. So much of the work has shifted 
to uh, to and workflow has shifted. And I think it's really about optimizing that and, and having your boss see that this can be done and has been done during the pandemic efficiently. Some of the older men that I work with, my older colleagues, they always say, Lauren, I give you credit. We know you have three kids at home and you're juggling all this, you know, uh, hats off to you. Good job. <laughs> but do you think um, all older men feel the same or are they more traditionally ba- traditional based where they do expect, you know, you to to show up and basically work their hours? So we have a, a major client of ours, uh, a CEO who was pretty much a FaceTime uh, leader. And during the pandemic, he got to witness his two sons working from home and he got to see it directly from his own personal view. And I think the personal bias and discomfort that uh, more traditional leaders might have is because of their generation. It's how they came up in the business world. It was face to face. It was relationships. It was in office. And I think what's happening is because of employee sentiment, because people are seeing things from a different lens from their own families during the pandemic, they're starting to realize that if they don't change, the world has changed already and employees are already moving along. They risk uh, putting their companies at risk reputationally and also not appearing progressive and inclusive. Yeah. Not being where their population is, where their employees are. Um, Meryl, I I do want to return. I want to ask you about the the, the safety of of many employees, women in particular, when they do go back to work, especially if it's in a big city. We'll be back on We're Momming today right after this. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're back on We're Momming today with Meryl Rosenthal. Uh, Meryl is the founder of a company called FlexPaths, which is so interesting because you are the authority in remote work. But Meryl, you've been doing this for decades. Can you tell us your story? I mean, because then the pandemic happened and you were like, oh, duh, I've been I've been advocating for all of this for all these years. Tell us your story. Yes. So what's been quite interesting is for 16 years, as you've said, we talked about flexible work and it was really about educating companies about it versus them having embracing it. And what's happened, as we all know from the pandemic, it caused a complete and unprecedented shift to remote work and companies had to adapt. And we were able to jump in and really help organizations think through the plan of how they were going to get their people from traditional workforces into remote workforces and to see the lights go off in executives minds around the fact that this was something that could really be efficient, great for talent retention and engagement, and also be uh, a very, very important uh, uh, competitive play. I take it you work from home and always have? 
Yeah, so my company is fully virtual. Our complete uh, team is virtual across the United States and across North America, actually. And we walk the talk. We really have been able to show uh, organizations how they can do this by our facing off with them effectively but, in this manner. But Meryl, 16 years ago, we were nowhere near where we are now. Were you, I'm, I'm assuming you were a new mom at the time saying, oh my goodness, how am I going to juggle um, home and work? So you kind of put it together in a way? Do I have that right? Yes, I did. I had the situation where I was caring for an ill parent, had, was pregnant and uh, had a small child and was working in corporate America and saw firsthand that lots of companies were not really flexible. They said they were, but when you, it really felt it to be a disadvantage. Uh, to ask for the time and or to really be viewed as the professional I was prior to these situations. And so it was an inspiration for me to say, hey, here's an opportunity to really help companies and employees view flexibility as a business driver, as something that's good for their reputations, good for talent, attraction and retention. Do people think you were nuts? I think that we, I, I think that that's a great question. I, I you know, I, I think that uh, my husband thought I was nuts <laughs> because it was very, a very different time. Uh, but I stood fast uh, to this whole idea because I really did believe that with technology shifts, with the demographics shifts, uh, with a lot of other trends, that this was something that was coming and it just required people to see the, the advantages of it you, and the business phase. You were a trailblazer and you were smart and risky because I'll tell you what, if I was caring for a sick parent, was pregnant and already had a young child, I would not have touched that risk with a 10-foot pole. You touched it, you embraced it and look where you are now. Well, thanks. I mean, yes, absolutely. And I think I also didn't have a choice because I one of the things that, are, that is very important to me is work and being uh, having impact and helping people. And I wasn't going to allow the barriers of the workforce to not allow me to contribute to that need and to also follow my passion. Oh, see, that's interesting. You just call it barriers to the workforce. Yeah. Yes. I mean, <laughs> I know. And but see, now I'm just putting my like my corporate hat on and I'm saying, oh, God, if I was a CEO, what would I want right now from like, what do you do with all your real estate? What do you do with your, you know, your cafe in the building and all the camaraderie in the team building? You just I know you don't throw it out the window, but the, the change has been drastic. Absolutely. And if you're an organization and we have them in some of our clients that have just before the pandemic bought huge pieces of real estate or renovated them, that's a big, a big problem that they see. But what we talk about at FlexPaths is you have to solve for people, not place. And you also have to revisit what the place means. Right now, it might turn into a hub, a place where you bring clients, a place where you celebrate, a place where new employees and town halls take place, but not the place where you're going to have people come in and sit down and Zoom. Because they can do that off site and they have done it effectively. And you know so what? A, oh, sorry. I, yes. didn't, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I'm sorry. I just got so heated when you said the word Zoom because I wanted to ask you, what is yes. the appropriate number of Zoom calls one should have a day or a week? That's number one. And number two, I know employees who show up every single day for FaceTime because they think they should because they want to. And they get frustrated when everybody on that Zoom call is home and they're in the office when they commuted 90 minutes to get to their desks to do a Zoom call. 
Absolutely. And number. So we'll start with your first question. Number of Zooms. Uh, I think it all goes back to something that's a little different, which is just meeting management. I think during the pandemic, we've all thought about how many meetings we've had. And it's been so intense sitting at the same desk attending these meetings. So I'm hopeful that companies will be able to see the importance of not having as many meetings or shortening them or being more purposeful around them, because who wants to just sit in Zoom, right? We want to work and get the work done. So the meetings and the Zooms have been out of control. And as far as the face-to-face and the um, and being in office versus home, to your point, nobody wants to go to the office for a Zoom. The, the, the value proposition of the office has to be changed. Again, why are we going in? And if it's just for a set of meetings, I would strongly suggest leaders sit with their people and say, hey, let's look at your work week. If you're going to be Zooming all day, stay off site. If you're coming in to welcome a new employee or to celebrate uh, a success or to ideate or collaborate on a new project, come on in. But employees are going to need guidance right now to do that because it's not natural. We've either been in an office or home and hybrid can be hard. So we have to help our leaders and our employees navigate that new journey. And making hybrid harder is what I teased when we came back. And and that's the fact that, that you have violence in so many big cities, even some smaller cities across the country. Are you hearing from companies and from workers that people are scared to come back? Yes. And, and, you know, the partnership for New York City has been conducting surveys of of major employers to gauge their status of return to office among Manhattan's office workers. You know, they've been asking employers that question, rank factors that attribute to a slow return. And employers have noted that public safety, in particular in mid-Manhattan, are affecting the rate at which employees return to the office. So that's that's a fact. And and we're seeing, unfortunately, we're reading and seeing the, the horrific male violence taking place against women in public spaces. And that is a factor. Companies just can't open their doors and expect people are going to come. Public safety needs to be swiftly addressed. And yes, we are gleaning stories. Uh, some of it is racially based. Uh, and some of it is just uh, just the high crime happening in New York City and in major cities. Is safety in terms of violence and crime, higher on that list of factors contributing to this slow return? Is it higher than COVID? I think it's climbing. Wow. Wow. Oh, so the good there is good news in that. And the good news is that maybe we've passed allowing COVID to control our daily lives as best we can. We could just, I guess, learn to live with it, to use that over overused saying. But yeah, I, that, Wow. So it's not just New York City. You're seeing this in other cities, too. Yes. Uh, Minneapolis, as we know, uh, due to George Floyd, you know, things have not settled uh, down the way we would all hope, uh, given what happened. And there's much more uh, crime and racially motivated activity there. I have consultants that work there that minimize what they carry, are very mindful of getting in and out of their cars and garages. So if you can imagine, if you if the first thing on your mind is safety, how can you think about the next things in your life. To me, it's all about safety first, right? For our children, as moms, as employees. So I'm not sure companies are realizing the whole person. And I think by asking questions about safety and well-being, 
they're going to have a, a, a larger uh, responsibility. You know, and so it is. I understand that because I remember when I first came back to the office after being home for, oh gosh, for I think it was a year and a half and then I was on maternity leave. So I'm, I'm coming back at a time and, you know, everyone, I, I, I live in the suburbs. I don't, I don't live in New York City. I said, oh, I, I hear there's drug deals on all the corners now. I hear there's homeless people pulling knives and guns. I had not been in the city for so long. I was legitimately scared that those things would happen to me. And they didn't. Fast forward, I get used to it. I'm in my pace. You know, I'm, I'm not a hybrid type person. I, I kind of have to do the same thing every day. It's just my timing. It's how I work. Um, right. And now the, the, the dialogue and the narrative has changed. Oh, well, you know, there's muggings. There's people pushing you on the subway. I stopped taking the subway. I, so I'm just thinking of these these poor workers who have been outside of cities looking from afar, not experiencing it for two plus years. And now all of a sudden, the company's like, well, we need you to come back on uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays. They, their jaws much drop. I mean, I, I went through it. I remember mine dropped. Absolutely. And, you know, whether it's safety or it's just life is living is being lived differently now. I mean, if we think about um, what people do in the morning, right, those large commutes, they're being replaced by people being able to take their kids to school or maybe check in on an elder or get a quick chore done. And they can still get to their desk by 9 9 a.m. It's a whole kind of frame of mind that's changed. The commuting costs we haven't had, the parking costs, the dry cleaning, the clothing. So I I think there's a whole mind shift that's occurred. Um, And women and people of color, we've heard them speak up at some of our uh, trainings where they say they feel more productive, more effective, more content working from home part of the time. I'm so curious to see how this this all plays out. I really am. Beryl, thank you for giving us um, advice, advice on how to be declarative with what you need and, and how to do it. If you are one of those moms at home, saying, yeah, (laughs) the company's calling me back. That's how you do it. Those are the questions you ask and the things that you say. Any final tips, Meryl? Uh, I just think that advocacy is really important. Uh, Speak up to your boss. You know, make sure that, you know, you are not making excuses. Uh, Be safe. Uh, And uh, and this is an exciting time to be uh, at work, whether you're home or out of the office. And it's all about trust, building relationships and being your best. Thank you. Cudlow on Fox Business is now on the go for podcast fans. Get key interviews with the biggest business newsmakers of the day. The Cudlow podcast will be available on the go after the show every weekday at foxbusinesspodcasts.com or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.